0: Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash Show.
2: Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, the revolving door at Pitodri, St Mirren's School Celtic and a dire situation at Killy. I'm Andrew Slavin and alongside me he's ITK. It's JJ Bull from The Telegraph, hello.
3: Hello,
2: you know that means in in the know right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Yeah, A good start. Thank you very much. Uh, Also joining us, it's not Laura Brannan, it's Finn Marks good to have you back on the show Finn oh thanks for having me
4: it's really lovely to be back on oh what a, lo- what a lovely start to the podcast <laughs> he's, in the,
3: he's in the know too about Cheerios <laughs> we
2: all are all um, oh, about nutrition look we're, we're recording this uh first thing on Tuesday morning because we wanted to wait until after the transfer deadline at midnight on Monday uh, and of course give Aberdeen the chance to replace Sam Cosgrove with Messi but that that didn't Quite managed to, to get through the, the red tape, JJ, um, shall we say. But uh, did any of you guys watch Sky Sports all through the night in your gym jams? Do people still watch Sky Sports for transfer
3: deadline day? Genuinely, a question.
4: <laughs> I, I had it on in the background. Oh, that's I nice. watched a little bit of it. I don't think anybody was expecting anything spectacular, though. I, I think my... my <laughs> One of my favourite things I saw was that Sam Cosgrove's move to Birmingham was actually the seventh highest deal of Deadline Day worldwide. Jeez, so really? that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the um, the level of... Is. Uh, well, that as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> a few coming in as well, JJ. Do you want to t- take us through a few?
3: Aberdeen seemed to go a bit mental on Deadline Day. One of the weirdest ones was that Curtis Main went out, just released, just went having been one of the starting strikers for most of the season. Out what the hell was that about? Bye. So, but no one really understood why he was a starting striker. I mean, he sort of... Uh, Do we understand? I don't know. Anyway, he's gone. I think he went to Shrewsbury, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, good luck. Uh, and in came uh, Fraser Hornby, who... Is a bit of a if you play Football Manager a lot, you might know his name. He was an Everton sort of not a wonder kid, but he was always quite a high prospect, still is to be fair. Yeah. Um, attacking midfielder, striker. He's uh quite a tall lad, like six foot one, something like that. But he's a, he's a decent player. So I was watching a bit of him on on a uh, last night, and he's quite a clever player. Does little nice things off the ball. he, he moves well. He links play. He. Likes a little trick. He's a little bit like maybe Marley Watkins was providing, I think. If Watkins was more close to a 10 or a winger, this guy's closer to a 9 or like a 9. He came in from Reim Reim in France. Which of those is correct?
4: Uh, Reim, I think. Ah!
2: I I held my tongue a little bit there. I I thought Reim, but there you go.
3: All right, well, (laughs) he's come from them. And also in is Callum Hendry, Son of Colin, the Braveheart. Yeah, um, I can't tell if that's a good move or not. I, I think some there's some of his stuff. When you watch him back, so again, I watched him a little bit and I did some research into him last night. He seems like a player who likes to attack crosses, which is exactly what Aberdeen need in the box. A bit of a, he's maybe a fox in the box, you'd call him. Mm. He comes alive around about six yards. <laughs> 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 he moves quite well. I think he's got the kind of determination and the kind of mental characteristics. That you want of a of an Aberdeen player. He also has the haircut. You know that <laughs> you know that footballer's haircut that everyone has? The um <laughs> the swipe back at the front. You know the one. Everyone's yeah. got it. It's it's they look like FIFA when you make them on FIFA, they look at the same head. Yeah, it's like the, that's the
2: stock haircut you, you get yeah. on FIFA.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh and also in came Florian Camberi. He's ex, back. Hibs, ex Rangers. Do you want to tell me about Florian Camberi, what he'll bring, Finn?
4: I, I really like Foyan cambery I think he, um, obviously people know him from his time at Hibs and he was, um, when he was good, he was very good. I think outside of, of Rangers and Celtic, he was probably one of the better strikers in the league. Um, it, I think his problem was consistency. I think his goal return yeah, for some of the chances he had wasn't spectacular. Uh, it, I think he, I was surprised actually Rangers didn't go for him in the summer to to make the move permanent because he uh, he didn't really get much of a chance to impress. I think he signed on deadline day last January, and about three weeks later, the season was cancelled. So <laughs> he only played about six games, and uh, he, sc- he actually scored a, a wonderful goal. His first goal was away at St John'son in the two two draw at Mcdermott Park, and then uh, literally, I think the league was canned about two days later. So I think it's a good signing for Aberdeen. I, I if he can find that level of consistency. I think he could be a good foil to someone like Fraser Hornby. It, it was interesting you saying that about um, Hendry being quite good in the air. I, I think from the times that I've watched uh, Hornby playing for the under-21s, he's actually pretty good in the air. He's, he's, he knows how to run. And I think you're, you're bang on with he's quite a... You know, just one of those players, and, and this is obviously great for a striker, that just knows when to make that little half yard move to get ahead of a defender yeah. or, or that little just drop off a half yard because you you know the ball's going to come out to you he's got a real talent for that I, I think again Hornby's problem is, is a bit of inconsistency but I think that comes from not having played a huge amount of top flight football I was really excited when he signed for Ream in the summer because I have followed him for a little while but he's not really had that much of an opportunity to shine there a handful of starts and a couple of cameos off the bench so it'll be good for him I think and hopefully for Scotland, that he's getting a bit more regular game time.
3: They're, they're all young. I think that's probably the part of the inconsistency as well. Yeah. Because, like, you know, that really comes with a bit of age. But I think Definitely. it's... I'd imagine the signings have been done, I I would hope, with a lot of scouting and of analysis and looking at who's good at attacking crosses because that's where all Aberdeen's chances are coming from. Like These boys won't score unless they get the chances they, they need and that is the big problem at the moment. Um, the, the
2: Hornby one makes a lot of sense to me because th- there's a lot of connections with him and a few of the players already at Aberdeen like Lewis Ferguson because they play together in the under-21s. So they do. Um, so, you know, I think Hornby is a, is a clever kind of addition um, especially when you consider the fact that he's I think he's the record goal scorer for the Scotland under-21s as well so Connect. a bright future hopefully um, and hopefully that can flourish at, at Aberdeen.
3: And he replaces Sam Cosgrove obviously who has gone out to Birmingham. So... In 2018, he came in from Carlisle for thirty grand. I spoke to McInnes about Cosgrove a couple of years ago, and he was adamant that there was no sell-on fee in that interview. However, I think it's come out, maybe through Dave Cormack or somewhere, that uh, Carlisle get an amount, like a percentage, and I don't know for certain, I've not been able to find out by chasing it, um, whether that is one of those development fees that you get, because there's this thing that people might not know about, that to protect academies producing players, there's a set fee, like a percentage that you have to pay Mm-hmm. The developing club So you know, they still make money Out of developing players uh, Two million's
2: pretty good I think yeah. Considering
3: Curtis Maine Was considered above him this season
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the same amount of money That was offered in the summer When I think it was Gangon That, uh, that came in for him But he refused to go Yeah it was on deadline um, so day that... And
3: he didn't want to go to France Straight away I think Whereas yeah. Birmingham he, he must know slightly better He's from England So um, 47 goals in 103 appearances. I think the majority of them are penalties, and in Europe, it's weird. So, like, on one hand, I really think he's a good player. I, like, I really do. Um, I think he's got the right body for it, like to play in that league as well. The only thing was the season he was injured, so that's probably why he couldn't get back in it. But his his problem is the same. All the new strikers will have is getting decent chances. And uh, one of the people who was providing those kind of chances this season was Scott Wright, who is now going to Rangers. So there was a fee involved with the McCrory deal. Um, Rory, Rory McCrory to get him into Aberdeen <laughs> it was at 200 grand he was on loan for the season but 200 grand means that he can now play against Rangers I would imagine this season unless there's some sort of gentleman's agreement not that'll make a difference when they get pumped every time but that means that Wright's gone to Rangers now to provide them with the width and pace and cleverness that he brings yeah let's it's th- weird
2: Let's st- let's stick with Rangers then because um, they also brought in Bournemouth defender Jack Simpson. Um, both Scott Wright and Simpson were, were pre-contract deals, but um, they made them permanent just yesterday. And a few outgoings as well, I think, Finn, wasn't there?
4: Yeah, I, a couple going out on loan. So uh, Jordan Jones already went to Sunderland a couple of days ago, but uh, George Edmondson went to Derby on loan and Brandon Barker went to Oxford. From what I understand, actually, those the players that have left this month... Um, Actually freed up some of the the wage bill in order for them to get the deals with Simpson mm-hmm. and uh, and right over the line. So I, I mean that's Ross Wilson's been uh, been in the job for a little while now. I think it's starting to show his kind of like nice for trying to improve the squad whilst also trying to um, make it a sustainable thing going forward. Rangers also uh, just this morning I think confirmed that another Bournemouth player one that they've been linked with for a little while, Namdi Offabor has has been confirmed as signing a pre-contract as well from Bournemouth. Um, he's actually joined Wickham Wanderers on loan for the rest of the season, so he won't join up at Ibrox until the summer. But they're all signings of a type, I think, for Rangers. They they very much, now I think they've, they feel like they've got the... Uh, the main components of their squads, so the kind of like uh, experienced older players, the established professional players. They're very much looking to this kind of twenty-three-year-old, twenty-four-year-old age range of players that I think are pretty technical, decent level, good, good skill, um, and have the potential to grow at Rangers into you know getting them in on on a free or a nominal fee, and hopefully selling them on later on. They're long-term deals, I think. Uh, off the board. Simpson and Wright are all we're all on four-year deals starting from the summer. So obviously that becomes a four and a half-year deal for Simpson and um, and and Wright. And I think Simpson's an interesting one as well because he is actually someone that Rangers have been chasing for quite a while. Um, Stephen Gerrard made an approach to get him in on loan when he first came in I think it might have been his first season or second season and um, it didn't work out which is why they ended up taking Joe Worrell on loan from Nottingham Forest um, so it's, he's a player that they've had on their radar for quite a while
3: Where does he play though? Because you've got obviously they're always going to go with the back four uh, it seems yeah. like and then you've got Goldson's not going to move Hellander seems to be doing quite well I like Balligan Simpson get the team? Yeah
4: yeah, uh, I No I don't think so I think he's one for the future I think I mean Goldson He's so 23 is,
3: now He's quite a,
4: quite a All day For the future though I think so But I I think A lot of their model I think For Rangers Is trying to Have the system in place Where if one player Does go And it might be a player Like Hillander For example And um, or or Balogun if they do move on, they want options behind that to move further forward in the pecking order. Nikola Katic has a long term injury, Edmondson's away. So uh and I think Goldson's always going to start so really it's he would be in competition for Hilander and Balogun, neither of which I think he'll displace this season. But yeah, I I think it's one probably a longer term one for the future.
2: There was um a big question going into the deadline day um surrounding Hibs. Hibs were quite busy weren't they? Their
3: transfer signings poached by Aberdeen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much. But um, it was Kevin Nisbet and Ryan Porteous that they were left out of their last game. Jack Ross said that they would stay, but um, speculation was fuelled when they were left on the bench. But it looks like they've both stayed. Uh, but Nisbet was subject of a rumoured £3 million bid from Birmingham. Um, and he handed in a transfer request. So Jack Ross would be pretty unhappy about that. I wonder if he puts him back in the team now that the deadline is is over with. But it's a bit bizarre for Nisbet to be throwing in a transfer request, don't we think?
3: I don't think so. I think you have to take these chances when they come to you. He's twenty three. Uh, I mean, Laura, I know, strongly disagrees with this, and had we had a slight disagreement on the, uh, the WhatsApp <laughs> earlier. <laughs> so lo- I'll I'll share Laura's take on it. I don't want to speak for her, but she her take is that footballers should out. play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see what she said. She said footballers should, play, you know, they should play for the um, the love of the game. Basically, they sh- he should be playing at Hibs where he's playing, so he can get in the Euro squad. That's her kind of take on it. And, and I think i I look at it as more of a kind of business decision. I think mm. so. Nesbit's twenty three. His stock's really high. Um, like he's he's going to the moon. So you want to sell him uh, and get? He wants to go and make his make his money. I mean, if he's on. If he's on like a thousand pound a week at Hibs, which which is what I think he's on, round about that, um, he go to Birmingham, say, and there's, there's also rumours that Sheffield United were interested in him. Uh, he could go and turn that into ten grand a week straight away, plus goal bonuses, plus signing on fee, all that sort of stuff. That's life changing money. Now, if he if he stays at Hibs, sure enough, he's going to score loads of goals, and he um, could. He should be in the squad to get to the Euros, and then if he gets a game in the Euros, maybe he'll impress and then get a bigger move. And then I think Laura would be entirely right. But I think the most sensible thing to do now, especially with everything going on in the world, and maybe not being able to get a chance to move somewhere else, what if he suddenly is rubbish? (laughs) <laughs> whatever the next few months he suddenly stops scoring and then he he declines there's every chance he gets it like, and that would be a good move to somewhere like Birmingham uh, or Sheffield United if that was the kind of thing to go down I don't think you can not play him and this transfer request thing's odd as well because I wonder how that works you tell the manager you, you're going and I think what happens is that it means you give up your loyalty bonus so that's like the only real difference really? So, yeah so, like, I, I, so you, just, you just tell them you want to leave it doesn't mean like anything happens there's no actual list as far as I'm aware there's no like database online that they put you on. If I'm wrong, I would love to be corrected. Um, <laughs> but I, don't, I don't think there's an actual list. It just means that, that you want a request. And I think it means that you forego certain
4: financial things you'd be obliged to get in your contract.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a breach of contract, I understand.
4: I, I think I'm with you on that, JJ. I, I don't see a huge amount. The, the money thing's a big thing, but you'd hope that it's not just kind of those purely mercenary reasons that he, he would have looked to. I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with a player thinking this might be the opportunity that I've got to go down and, and do something. I think it, it probably just sticks in people's throats a little because he's only really been at Hibs for half a season and um he's played very well. You know he's a joint top goalscorer in the league. But I don't think there's there's that much wrong with a 23 year old player wanting to move to a league where the potential for what he can go on and do, could be slightly higher than than what he could achieve at Hibs in the rest of the season. Um, My friend was yeah. telling
3: me last night that it's like one of the most watched leagues in the world, apparently, the Championship.
4: Yeah, I think especially post-Brexit, and this was something that might be interesting uh, going forward, a lot of the the deals that might be done where clubs were looking to... It's, I'm talking about Premier League clubs here, English Premier League clubs, where they'd be looking abroad to bringing in players... It's actually much easier for them to bring in players from the rest of the UK and the Championship is, is a breeding ground for young, hungry, Premiership-ready players. Ollie Watkins at Aston Villa has had a, a pretty good season there after doing well at, um, in the Championship, so I I don't think there's anything wrong with, with Nisbet trying to be ambitious. I mean, he's the thing is he's not left and it, it will be interesting to see how he handles it and how Hibs handle it for the rest of the season because... There's no point going in a sulk and not trying to kick on for the rest of the season. Like, if you feel like you're worthy of a move, prove it on the pitch, kick on, see if you can, you know, knock on the door of Steve Clark for the Euros. It'll be interesting to see what happens now between now and the end of the season with him.
2: Well, it's probably one to keep an eye on um, for Hebs and see how they progress in the next couple of games. Uh, but since our last podcast, uh, Jeremy Frimpong's left Celtic for Leverkusen. Celtic have brought in John Joe Kenny on loan from Everton until the end of the season, Um, but it looks like it's it's not with an option to buy at the end of the season. Um, Kenny was uh, he was at Schalke uh, last season, and I think Schalke wanted to keep him, uh, but couldn't find find the money. I think I think Everton were looking for about fifteen million um, in a transfer fee. What? Yeah, last summer. (laughs) Oh my god. So it was it was David Wagner was the Schalke manager. Um, And he was like, yeah, we're just totally priced out (laughs) of getting John Joe Kenny. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, uh, Neil Lennon's brought in John Joe Kenny to replace Jeremy Fringpong, but I don't see when the season seems to be over for Celtic uh, in the respect of the league. Um, I don't know why he's maybe not looking to this as a bit of an opportunity for for younger players. Even Anthony Ralston, for instance. I I think, I
4: mean, Ralston's an interesting one because I don't think he's really kicked on um nope. in the last few seasons but um i i do not it, it it didn't strike me as being an odd move not to have a buying clause just cuz i mean there's so much that will be in transition in the summer anyway i think at celtic I, I don't think it makes sense to commit to something especially for a play like that they would have command such a <laughs> an enormous fee i don't think there's any need to commit to that when you probably don't know who the manager's going to be i mean that be something we'll, we might talk about in, in a bit but um also the chief executive's going out there's a lot of change on and off the park at celtic i think to get somebody in and it's mutually beneficial to all the parties here you know everton get a player to go out and get game time at a decent level and celtic get a replacement for jeremy fringpong who's got a decent track record and is and is a good player i, I it kind of works for all parties
3: has there ever been a club that's broken their transfer record for a right back <laughs> i don't know imagine Maybe. doing that imagine going with it The other thing is what this strategy could be is again following the rules of Football Manager and you take a player on loan and he does well and he really likes your club and then you can sign him for cheap because he wants to sign for you when his contract runs out eventually. That could be the tactic.
2: I don't know how long is on Kenny's uh, contract at Everton but what what I do is... Well,
3: according to Football Manager in front of me right now it runs out in
2: 2022. Right, okay. I mean, I interviewed John Joe Kenny last summer and uh, what I can say is he's, he's actually a really good lad, um, but he's he's not a similar player to Jeremy Fringpong. He's not someone who, who overlaps that much. He's actually one that comes in a bit more, maybe a bit more like um, Tavernier and Barisic in a way, but he's not he's not a pacey, overlapping uh, fullback uh, and he's got some strike on him as well so he, he's someone who likes to get in amongst goals uh, like he did at Schalke but Schalke had a poor second half of the season so he'll be looking to find somewhere to just enjoy his football for a while um, we're going to be talking about more transfers later but next up we're looking ahead to the midweek premiership fixtures and we're going to start with Celtic's next opponents at Rugby Park
1: Okay, Mr. Lennon, so that's 15 first class return tickets from Glasgow to Dubai, 8 twin suites, poolside passes, karaoke system, 1 extra large Shamrock flag, and a Stephen Gerard pinata. Hey? And would you like to insure your trip, sir? Eh, uh, no. Well, what could possibly go wrong, eh? With Paddy Power's accurate insurance, you get a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus fold accurate doesn't, eh? Uh, go to plan, eh, hey, Celtic? Paddy Power! Max, you bet £10 with odds 1 to 5 on each leg on an exclusive exclude shop bets, Exclude enhanced match odds, TC supply, 18 plus
5: on apple podcast spotify smart speaker and now ad free on the athletic this is the totally scottish football show with andrew slayman
6: we looked like we, we were scared and we started panicking and it's just a combination of not winning games you know losing goals at critical moments in games you know late it's just a confident thing
2: come Arnett take on celtic on tuesday night both alex dyer and Neil Lennon might have been fearing for their job on Saturday night, but it was Dyer who left his position at Kelly by mutual consent. We're joined now by Barry Richmond, the editor of Killyfc.com. And Barry, two wins from the last eleven. Was this potentially inevitable? Were were Kelly even under Dyer, were they in threat of, of being relegated?
7: I think it just it was going on too long. Uh If anything, we've probably left it a bit too long. We didn't give James Fowler much time in the transfer window after Alex had gone, but the way that we collapsed on Saturday there, I just don't think they had any option. The owner, Billy Bowie, was adamant that he wanted uh, just to continue on with Alex, uh, but I think even he had to see after Saturday that he just lost it.
3: What do you think has gone wrong for Dyer? I mean it's kind of inevitable it'd be hard to follow up Steve Clark and then Alessio didn't manage to do that. And it looked like Dyer's maybe uh, keeping it keeping it safe for a little bit, but nothing just seems to have changed. I don't know what you see it as a fan.
7: See if we get points for being nice guys that would be in Europe already. <laughs> Alex there he's a smashing guy he's a gentleman etc I've spoke to him on many occasions I've, I've not got a bad word to say about him but I, th- I think that, that came across as well in the dressing room and he just didn't seem to have the gravitas to shift some of these guys and you know what football players are like they take a bit of shifting at times I, I don't think he was hard enough on them and I think he came back and bit him in the backside.
4: The next boss uh, at Kilmarnock will be the 11th in 11 years. But have you got anyone in particular there that you'd like to see coming in?
7: It's hard to tell. It's very difficult. You have a look around and you see all the guys that are available. Obviously, we're not going to be poaching somebody for somebody else because that takes money to do that and nobody's getting any money at the moment. So that kind of limits who we're looking at. The obvious choices at the moment are Robinson maybe. Tommy, Tommy Wright somebody with experience in the league did okay at their own teams currently out of a job I think maybe the two names I would see would be in the frame at the moment I've had a look at the bookies odds at some of the names they're mentioning and they're just outlandish but I, I, I wouldn't say no to Robinson or Wright to be honest preferably maybe Robinson uh, but again you've no idea what's going to come in out of the blue at uh, Angelo alesso that was a total one from left field kind of thing. So, and Gus Poye was interested at one point. He was in the, <laughs> the, he, he was the one that came in and the media saying that. And so you never know. I think there's been a the club have been inundated with applications. So they're going to sift through all that after today, after the Celtic game. I think and weed out the potentials.
2: You know, I look at all those clubs that seem to make a change. They they tend to go with someone quite experienced like you said you wouldn't you wouldn't be expecting a left field option would you?
7: No this time I think <laughs> I think they've already been stung with the, the Alessio thing I, I, I'm not saying that that guy was a bad coach I think he was a, an excellent coach as well but I don't think he understood the situation he was coming into in Ayrshire you know it's not, it's not exactly the same places he had been before he didn't have guys running about going for his tea and uh, signing his players for him and you know all he had to do was coach on the day. When you come to a club like ours, you know, it's the full package. And I think, to be fair to Steve Clark, even though he'd been at bigger clubs, he realised that straight away and he took control of absolutely everything. And that was a guy who commanded respect from the players, which is where I think Alex Dyer went wrong. When Steve Clark was in, he put a banner on the players walking by his dressing room. You know, they had to go right around the stadium to, to get where they were going because he just said, no, I'm not having anybody... Walk- and that, that's the kind of respect they held for him. They, they wouldn't even question that. And just that just wasn't the case with Alessio or indeed Dyer. And uh, what we need is somebody in that's got a bit of gravitas that the players are going to respect and they're going to respond to.
2: Thanks a lot from Barry Richmond there, the editor of Um. It's a tough time for Kilmarnock, just see what you guys' thoughts are, um, because it's a really difficult time to change your manager, I know Motherwell have done it um, and they've been able to bring in someone with, with good experience, but uh, it's a really tough time to try and bring someone new in, especially, like we're hearing from Barry there, they need someone to come in with a bit of gravitas, I mean, should we expect that? Why are they making the change two days or something before the transfer window closes? It doesn't make any
3: strategic sense whatsoever unless they unless they've been working on i mean Fowler is director of football, isn't he so he'll be the one looking at bringing players in so it could be that there's some sort of um I'm basically going over my own point and proving myself wrong, so that should be all right. (laughs) (laughs) But it does seem like an odd thing because when you sign for a club, you want to have, you know, you want to know who the manager who's bringing you in is. I would have thought absolutely. And, And the problem I think has been Kelly's problem for ages. It's just like Barry was saying: is the players. they're not good enough. Like some of them aren't good enough, and some
2: of them are declining. And it's like the it end of kind of a cycle, and they need new ones in. I would disagree with the fact that they're not good enough. I I think I think they are good enough for for potentially mid table in the league. It's attitude and it's and it's um it's application. You know, Steve okay. Clark was in there, and he he got these players to be better than what they were because their skill level and their quality was matched and 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 um, advanced. Through hard work and application, I think, and that's that's what comes I missing.
3: But the thing is, like it, you're missing. When I say like they're not good, at it, what I mean is there's no the, the good individuals that they had. Like Chris Barker's is the only great individual I think they have at the moment, and in a team. So that like, you had Jordan Jones was was so important in that that season with Steve Clark, like so important. Yeah, Greg Stewart was Greg producing Stewart, so yeah. much. Next to Brophy, who was really good, next to Stewart, and then as Stewart went away, Brophy stopped scoring straight away, and then Brophy's never really recovered since then. He's he's gone now as well, and then you don't have the pace and like attacking with the Jones. They don't really haven't really replaced them. I think like is quite a good player, but O'Donnell as th- th- huge. I
4: th- I think part of the problem at Kelly, and I, I use this uh, uh, term in the loosest sense possible, so just go with me on it. But I think Kelly's problem with the kind of post Steve Clark thing is that when you have somebody who's like that, like a legacy manager, and I don't mean in the same kind of vein as like Arsene Wenger or Alex Ferguson, but the thing was Steve Clark literally revolutionized over two or three seasons at Killy from where they'd been for a decade, 15 years before into a team that was really difficult to beat down. as you say, playing, almost out of themselves, with of themselves and their natural ability, because there was this um, mentality that Clark was able to instill in the players. And it made rugby park a fortress. Like everybody hated going to rugby park for a time over the last couple of seasons. And I think that when someone like that leaves, it's not just like, you know, the tactical knives or the way that they're able to do it. It's, It's the whole culture that kind of heads out with them. And I think that, I mean, that was part of the reason why why Dyer was appointed in the first place, wasn't it? It was just like, oh, can we just get back the Steve Clark magic? And it's not as easy as that. It's, it's a whole culture around about it. And I think that's maybe where their downfall's been. And like you're saying, JJ, they're relying still on the individual magic um, through players that they just don't have as many of them now. Uh, you know Killy's goal at the weekend was uh, their first one against st johnson that was all by burke and his magic mm-hmm. and the guy's mm-hmm. 37 now 36 37 yeah. yeah. you can't rely on that for ages and they were relying on the goals of chris boyd and you know all these other seasoned players and they don't have that and it, it i think what barry was saying is right that there needs to be quite a significant overhaul and that's a difficult thing to do in the midst of a pandemic at a club like kilmarnock
2: James Fowler is going to be in the dugout for them uh, I think Gary Dicker as well, the club captain Will be his assistant for now Or one of these coaches But they take on Celtic who lost 2-1 at home To St Mirren on Saturday It's the first time St Mirren have beaten Celtic At Celtic Park since 1990 And it's it's a it's a funny one Because Neil Lennon Was, was offered the Celtic job In his first stint After St Mirren beat Celtic 4-1 uh, Which led to Tony Mowbray Getting the boot um, there and here, Celtic are now almost ten years on, uh, and it just seems a bit like oh, well Neil Lennon has a worse record than Tony Mowbray has, and I'm I'm amazed that Neil Lennon is is um, putting his heels into the ground here, and uh, seems like he's going to be the manager until the season end anyway. Um, but what do you think Celtic are going to be in the next couple of games because they've got obviously a couple of players coming in. A few players have left, but they've only won six of the last 15 games. I've said it for weeks that the title's been over, uh, but what do we expect from, from Celtic in the next coming weeks?
4: Well, I, I think, I, just talking about the Comarnic game, I think even despite recent form, I still think Celtic will probably win uh, against Killy. I think if you've got Celtic in disarray versus Comarnic in disarray, surely that would still signal towards a Celtic win. Um, I think the difference was on on a Saturday, you had in St Mirren, a team that are really coming into their own. They've actually been very consistent for large parts of the season. They look well drilled. They um, saw an opportunity, I think, against the this weird fluidity Celtic have with their uh, from a tactical point of view at the moment. Or in fluidity, if that's even a word. But Celtic don't know how, what their system is and how to play it. They've tried it with the Diamond recently, but St Mirren looked at that and thought, how do we counteract that? Absolutely went for it. And their work rate was unbelievable. They were just uh, more hungry and had more desire. I I don't know if Kelly will have that same thing. They just don't look as organised as someone like St Mirren was.
2: JJ, if if you're the manager and you're laying down a a tactical game plan and you've been there for a while and... The tactics haven't really changed that much. Maybe formations have tweaked there, here and there, but the, the general consensus of how you want your team to play has always been there. And then the, all of the players just start not performing on the pitch and you start going out in press conferences and naming individual players and saying, they're not doing enough for me. Whose fault is that? Uh, this is one of those... I'm going to keep referencing Football Manager today. It's
3: one of those games that you just realise you've made a big mistake in, and you just want to start again. Like, you signed the wrong players, you're not getting the luck. Like I think St Mirren, in this game, for example, under the hood statistics, Celtic were the better team, in terms of XG, stuff like that. But St Mirren, I thought, I think Jim Goodwin got the better of Neil Lennon tactically. I think he got far more out of his players in this game. Th- things like Celtic playing a back four, playing Ayer as a right back, but they're still playing a high line, so Duffy and Beton are so so like, exposed to anything that gets in behind them and St Miriam are looking for those spaces with early balls into the channels They're things that were clearly worked on the training ground like Finn was saying everything was counteract to go with the diamond which is also another football manager reference the the four one three two, which is the, the, the standard formation from Championship Manager 97-98 as people may recall <laughs> and uh so, so you play a back three and you have two holding defensive midfielders that block that off and then Celtic put everything through the middle, you look at their average positions, everything's going through the middle, the, the width is only coming from the fullbacks who are Taylor, decent enough, at in, and Ayer who is a central player, you can't beat a man 1v1, so everything that the opposition manager has done is better than what Neil Lennon's done and uh, sort of what you're saying as well Stephen, I don't know, I don't think Lennon has a set style of play. I think he just puts the best players on and tries to get them he's more of a motivator and it's not working for him and when that stops working he doesn't really have any other tools to go with and it's where they're really struggling at the moment Whether I don't know whether it's his fault or not I mean it's just sometimes these things come together like I've been saying for ages that once Brown is out of that team they'll fall apart and it's kind of happened this season as Brown's declined slightly and then not been in they're missing something on the pitch which is the manager's avatar or whatever and the levels are lower <laughs> I think just
4: mentally, they just look absolutely shot. I think that's yeah, the difference. I, I agree. I think it was quite telling. Neil Lennon's post-match interview with Kenny McIntyre in the BBC, yeah. I thought, was brilliant and quite revealing, because I think I, it almost feels it almost feels like Neil Lennon's out the other side now. Yeah, it, it, it's 100%. like it's it's so far gone because it, it, in previous <laughs> weeks, you know, I for with all the chat and no matter what you think about, you know, the whole Dubai trip and everything that's there. Neil Lennon, I think, has tried to um, play his hand as best he can at every point, whether or not it's looked good or not. But I think, you know, he's doubled down. He's tried backing his players. He's tried to elicit some sort of response. The way that he talked in that interview just had all the hallmarks of somebody who was out the other side. Like he had nothing left to give. And I think the fact he was even kind of um, not in a flippant way but he was kind of joking with Kenny McIntyre just being like you know I've, I've already had quite a lot of those serious chats you know with the management and mm-hmm. uh, when he when he was asked do you feel that there's players that have let you down he said honest answer yes that, that's just somebody who's just he's got nothing left except honesty now I don't think he's got nothing left to work with.
2: I mean you just have to look at that the, the Celtic performance and you can't argue with, uh, with Lennon and that you, you you look at the Celtic players try to press teams and it's just not it's just not there let's move on though because uh, we'll talk about the champions elect now Rangers hosting St Johnston at Ibrox on Wednesday night no Alfredo Morelos for this one because he's been charged by the SFA for his stamp on Ryan Porteous in the win over herbs last week probably we expected that we said that in the podcast last week didn't yeah. we JJ you can't stamp on people you can't do it he's learned the hard <laughs> way <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, he's he's learned apparently before um, Oh yeah, but... several <laughs> times But one uh, tw- day it'll stick <laughs> But it's still 12 wins out of 12 at Ibrooks for Rangers this season They've only conceded one goal uh, It looks a pretty ominous task for St Johnston Don't we think, Did you? Uh, yes, it does uh, It's Johnston
3: They uh, managed to come from behind against Killy uh, And probably deserved a win in the end actually But uh, I think Rangers are just far too good. They've got all the confidence, all the momentum, the better players by miles. They've worked out how to break down teams You
2: sit deep against them. They're really, really dangerous in transition. They're a very good side. (laughs) They are. And and Finn, I believe that Rangers have the opportunity, um, if Rangers and Celtic keep winning their games, that Steven Gerrard's men could potentially win the title at Celtic Park. Uh, I think on the, is it the March 20th of March I think Yeah I think
4: that was actually worked out um, Before they lost at home to St Mirren I think that was taking into account Celtic And Rangers winning all of their matches Leading up to that Old Firm game So the title might actually even be over before that And it'll be interesting to see if Celtic Will uh, give Rangers the guard of honour As the champions <laughs> are coming in If if that is the case at that point um, I'm, sure, I'm sure There'll be no love lost there on that side
2: Up next, possibly, well, probably is the biggest game of of midweek. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the
1: official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
5: podcast, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven.
2: The bottom two meet at New Douglas Park on Wednesday night as Hamilton host Ross County and uh, is this a bigger game for the Staggies I wonder? Uh, they played two more games in Hamilton and Motherwell, um but they've only won two of the last 12 in all competitions. I just wonder, you know, there's a lot of stats on Ross County at the moment that aren't very that will make up for good reading let me know what you think is this, is this bigger for, for County or for Hamilton, Finn? Uh, it's a huge game for both of them I think because Hamilton
4: Exactly!
3: Got- it was a trick question Can <laughs> you passed the test
4: Hamilton have still got two games in hand over Ross County as well as do Motherwell who are the two teams either side of them in the table just now so I think it's, it's a huge one I, I think also as well because the last time they played which was at Dingwall I think Hamilton won so it, it i think there's a lot riding on this one especially for for Ross County watching their stuff, like cuz they were they looked so good and so organized in the match against Aberdeen a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago um so i i think they've got it within them to survive this season but yeah these these are exactly the kind of games you know they'll the cliche the six pointer kind of thing but um yeah i i think they'll be marking this one as one that they've got to go and and get get some sort of result
2: You're right about um, Hamilton's 2-0 win at Dingwall, it was, and that was the game that led to Stuart Kettlewell announcing his departure after the game. Um, I kind of look at this game and I think confidence is is key going into this in the sense that I looked at Hamilton. Whenever Hamilton have taken the lead, they've gone on to win the game. I think that's really important. all, All of Hamilton's wins, they've taken the lead first. Um, so that first goal for them is going to be important So if Ross County can get ahead um, It's potentially theirs for the taking But JJ, your thoughts? I mean, they're
3: the two worst teams in the league at the moment Although I think Hamilton are a lot better than their league table position suggests But they're they're there for a reason uh, Hamilton took Bruce Anderson on loan from Aberdeen He's 22, it's often thought of as being a young player And a lot of Aberdeen fans have kind of complained about him not being given a chance But I think he hasn't done enough in the times he's He's come on. He's a he's maybe a like a like a nine and a half or ten and a half, one of those kind of players. There's not really a place for many teams now. Because he needs to play in as part of a two, I think. The best to play next to someone who can win headers so we he can dart off with him. So I want to see how Brian Rice gets him in the team and um what he does with him. This game will be like the managers will tell their players that whoever like fights the hardest will be the one who wins. I don't think there'll be a huge tactical battle here. I think there's gonna be a lot of um, keeping all the spaces shut, making sure you don't concede from crosses. Um, set pieces will be really important. Ross County as well; they're they're missing uh, Ross Stewart now. Like he hasn't really been very good this season, to be fair. Like he he was their best player last season, but I think there was there was links with him moving to the other Scottish Premiership clubs. But he's got gone to Sunderland. They're missing goals from someone like him. They don't really have anyone else who's coming on, and it's hard to see where they're going to
2: score other than I think set pieces at the moment mm. Yeah, I, I do worry for Ross County You're right about Stuart by the way because five years ago he was on 25 quid a week at Co Winning Rangers playing in the Junior League and now he's now he's at Sunderland and he's just been sold for well, just over 300 grand so quite a good about money So he's got a contract in the summer so that's a good amount of money to get in for him Absolutely, Absolutely. Especially now yeah, on Tuesday, we've also got the second part of Livingston Aberdeen, the double header. Um, <laughs> JJ, you watched the first game, though, and you're obviously looking forward to this one.
3: When you say double header, do you mean infinite headers? That's what this game was. <laughs> <laughs> Just cooping ball. The first five minutes were disgraceful. Scottish football gets slagged off sometimes, and this is a game where you think, ah, rightly so, good. Slag it off, but this is awful okay. uh, The ball the ball's in the air for the 1st five, ten minutes it was dreadful You can see why Livingston are doing well They're really intense They're urged constantly by the coaching staff like Constantly urged on to get the ball forward And they knock it forward and they chase it And they push, 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 push push, push. Quite relentless And I think Aberdeen um, I think Aberdeen had the better players on the night But couldn't take their chances And I think that was the final straw of The first game, 0-0 is that they just shipped out all the strikers. Get rid of Curtis and he's gone, fine. <laughs> Cosgrove, don't need him. Get in new boys. Uh, Bruce Anderson came on, couldn't do anything. Like Johnny Hayes and, and Anderson both missed big chances in the first game. Mm. I, I think it'll be more of the same. I think it's very hard to deal with Livy because they're really intense and right at you. But the, the problem with what you'll see with Livy, I think, is that once they start conceding, and it will happen, um, that momentum will die and they'll, they'll, they'll fizzle out because it's impossible to keep that level of aggression and motivation going for a whole season long. You see it with even like in with like the top teams like uh, Liverpool. As soon as they lose that little drop, same with Borussia Dortmund with Klopp actually, they lose that motivation that aggression and um, it's very easy for teams to get in them when they lose that kind of stance. So yeah, it will be nil 0 again probably.
2: <laughs> well, Livingston haven't won at Pataudry in I think 17 years. I think it was 2004 was the last time they won there mm. um, which is obviously a very long time but uh, Finn, Uh, we know that david martindale is a fit and proper person now yeah yeah he is i i I mean i don't think there was any (laughs) i
4: it's it kind of feels like this was just due process that that they kind of had to go through um but i don't think there was anybody that that was um wanting any other outcome than for him to be able to continue it's just it's a wonderful uh story isn't it like of somebody who's um, been able to, to work hard <laughs> A drug uh, what a lovely but
3: story. This,
4: yeah, no but this is the whole point, I, I, this this goes slightly away from football but the whole point of the, the criminal justice system should be to rehabilitate people to integrate back into society and there's a perfect example of it, somebody who um, I think he's said himself David Martindale hasn't he, that he, he didn't have the right attitude when he was younger to apply himself because he was a youth player I think at Rangers and and somewhere else motherwell maybe and he just didn't apply himself properly um ended up getting into some bad situations with the wrong crowd and um but he's he's taken the second chance kind of at life uh, with both hands and he's worked so hard and it's just it's really great to see he's also got i think some of the most spectacularly pretty and curled eyelashes i've ever seen on a football <laughs> manager it, I, I can't not think about it and watch them in every post-match interview. And his voice doesn't quite match up to the kind of like Disney eyelashes that he's got.
2: Wow, yeah, pretty eyes, Martin That's I, uh,
3: I've got to say, I totally agree with uh, not on the eyelashes. I noticed <laughs> that. But um, there's something about this. I really like that this is what's happened with him, right? So he's he's uh, had to come over all this stuff that he's done, and he's he always holds his hands up to blah blah blah, done his time. But people who have who've come with that sort of adversity or have something to prove they've got such a drive and determination to prove it that that's the mm. ones that tend to go to the top and you can see it with what Martindale's demanding he's demanding the most because he's pushing himself it seems to be mm. trying to like really prove everyone wrong because he, he has so much proving to do because uh, I mean, I'm mean, i sure he, you know he's, had a, he's done some wrong things and he's had a bad time but you're seeing it at, at Livingston now I think it's really uh, lovely to see at the moment
2: Yeah, still 13 games um, unbeaten Since he's taking charge of Livingston. Also on Tuesday, St Mirren taking on Hibs. Two hugely impressive away wins for St Mirren this week. uh, Bouncing back brilliantly from the disappointment from the League Cup semi-final defeat. I mean, JJ, you predicted chaos at Dundee United versus St Mirren on last week's podcast. It wasn't 7-9, but it was 5-1. Yeah, I was just trying
3: to be funny Because I think You both said <laughs> That it was going to be boring So I was trying to inject Some drama Into the podcast Yeah who, I don't know I, I really like, seeing, like I've been seen all season long I think Jim Goodwin's A really good manager And I think he'll be um, At a bigger club quite soon Me too at Maybe the end of the season I, I would suspect I mean I don't know what's going to happen To Aberdeen at some point But when McInnes eventually decides He wants to try something else I think Goodwin would be A good choice there I said that to someone else The other day And then they went No he's probably going to wait For Celtic And I don't no. who knows I can't, remember who, I can't remember who said that but you're wrong <laughs> 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 yeah. and I've got a public platform to prove it
2: oh. <laughs> uh, Finn Hibbs have got the second best away record in the league um, and 7 of the remaining 10 games um, are away from home this is before the split so it's one of those where they could possibly put If their form continues, they could possibly put themselves in the best position to finish third. Um, They're battling Aberdeen for that at the moment. But do you think Hibbs have got the edge in this one? I mean, Hibbs. that was their... When they beat Dundee United, they've not had a brilliant run
4: since losing at Ibrox close to Christmas. They went on a bit of a sketchy run. Um, But St Mirren obviously had that kind of um, setback with the the semi-final So I I think it will be pretty closely contested this one But there'll probably be a few goals in it
2: And finally on Wednesday Motherwell host Dundee United And we can speak to Laura Brannan who joins us on the show Uh, Laura, how are the bags under your eyes? Are you tired? Busy transfer window for you? I'm exhausted.
6: <laughs> I am not a morning person, so you've not got me at my best right now. <laughs> oh, I wish I had a pillow to cuddle. I just feel so tired.
2: Oh, bless you! Uh, look, it was, it was, um, it was mostly a a, a, a transfer window of um, holding on to players, really, wasn't it? But you did bring in a few: Eddie Nolan, Jordan Roberts, and Robbie Crawford on a permanent deal on deadline day.
6: Yeah, um, it's, I think it's been a eventful last day of the window. Um, we had a kind of a good kind of spell for the rest of January. Um, obviously, got Liam Kelly, Stephen Lawless, Sam Foley, and Harry Smith had to come in before deadline day. And then yesterday was a bit more eventful. We had Eddie Nolan came in, uh, Irish defender on loan from Crewe. Um, Jordan Roberts came in as well, striker on loan from Hearts. And then as you're saying, there's the, obviously the, the existing players have already been here. Um, there's been good deals there as well. So Robbie Crawford, who was previously here on loan for the first half of the season, he's now made that permanent until the end of the season. Steve O'Donnell as well was a late one, we confirmed. He has now extended his contract until the end of the season. And Charles Dunn as well, who has been coming back from injury this season, um, we've extended that until the end of the season as well, just to help him with his progress. And hopefully we'll see him kicking a ball before the end of the season as well.
2: I saw that um, apparently Pevis Mugabe is as good as Cristiano Ronaldo these days for uh, scoring headers.
6: <laughs> he has smashed his record. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was this goal that um, Ronaldo scored a couple of years ago um, against Samporia, and he apparently jumped. Oh, I've not got a stats in front of me. Was it 271 metres, I think, was the jump?
4: 271 metres?
6: Two, two seconds. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> hold on. Two seconds. I'm
2: going to get. I jumped this into up. the stratosphere. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's some leak.
2: But you still know Bevis Mugabe. Two seconds. I'm gonna get- <laughs> right.
6: I'm going to get these stats up. Two seconds. Wait oh, I that's staying in.
2: <laughs>
3: Bevis Mugabe and GME going to the moon. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah. So, So. Right, Ronaldo jumped 71 centimetres, which made it, combined with his height, a total of 256 centimetres. Wow. And McGabby jumped 75 centimetres. Laura, <laughs> I need like to know
3: it. how you measure this. Like, where do you... How do you measure oh, it? Oh,
6: so we have got a really, really talented, super geeky guy in our office, and he was sitting there. He's got, like, an engineering degree, and he's sitting there with these graphic design stuff. Um, he does all our graphic design stuff, so he's great with, like the computer, like Photoshop and everything. He has got everything mapped out. He's got lines coming out of the goalposts and the grass. We, we got Bevis in. We measured him with boots on. We measured him without boots on. We measured his head. <laughs> and I just left him to it, really. <laughs> just, like, just tell me the final product. And the final product was, it, it was um, higher. And it's official, Bevis McGabby jumped higher than Ronaldo. So he now has the record.
2: <laughs> Did Bevis know why he was being asked into the office that day? <laughs> to have his head measured. <laughs> <laughs> Take your shoes off Mr Mugabe
6: Yeah he'd, just, come in for, he'd come in for something else And then we were like texting going, Are you still in the building and We're like do you know your height And he's going um, I, I don't but I can check and we're like yes we'll come, we'll come with you <laughs> We'll
4: come and meet you I, th- I mean it might be a while until he finds the back of the net again But surely the next time he scores he's got to do that Run to the crowd The spin round with his hand And then jump Zoom. down into the star thing Zoom. Yeah
6: <laughs> I just love it, there's a lot of angry Ronaldo fans um, that are not taking the news very well but you can't argue with the facts, can you?
3: I'm also really hoping that we now get official statistical data for all the players of their
2: head measurements (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk Dundee United uh, seven games without a win for them, seven goals conceded in the last two games and United have the second worst attack in the division as well is it not bizarre that they have the second worst defence and they have the likes of Lauren Shankland, who hasn't promised uh, what we thought he would deliver? They brought in Mark McNulty, who seems. Oh,
3: well, no, and the reason they've got a pure attack is they're focusing on defending because. The- they want to make sure they don't lose games first of all survive yeah. the first season and you can build from there like you build from the back I'd so say you build a good team and even though they got promoted and they were playing decent last season it was under a different manager so Mellon's come in and he's had to put his own take on it his own ideas in it, and he seems to be going and I think it's sensible to try and make sure they don't lose silly goals first and then you can snatch your win and a lot of managers have had success with it um, I mean, Steve Clark's command like we were talking about earlier, they were built on, you. they don't lose, they don't concede goals first, and then they go from there. And that's, that seems to be what Dundee United are doing. I don't know if they'll keep sliding down, I think they're in an okay position. I, I, it might be that they've accumulated so many points now that a few of them are maybe, you know, in the middle of the season, they're just a little bit fatigued, maybe a little bit slow to react to certain bits and pieces. And when you lose that kind of bite and you're playing with that very defensive mentality, it often means that you concede the few mistakes that decide the game. Like it's a game that's hard on mistakes, if you're a little bit tired and you get a bit bored of defending every game all the time, I guess that's when it maybe creeps in. What about you, Finn? Are
2: you a melon ball fan?
4: A <laughs> melon ball. That's <laughs> a step up from stendo Ball that we, that we coined last <laughs> season. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, they've they've struggled on the road. I think they've only got five goals on the road this season, which mm-hmm. has been their problem. But then St Johnson have only got five goals at home and they've been okay. So I I, I agree with JJ. I think it's um, surely the goal when you you are the promoted team is survival, and I think Dundee United will be safe. It's surprising. I think that uh, Shanklin's not had the return that many of us expected. I think even even by conservative estimates, he's been quite short of that. Although, you know, if you he's shooting from his own half, he's fine. But if it's... Um, <laughs> they, they need to... I, I think they would have been relying on a lot more from him up front. I think Nicky Clark has done pretty well, but again, you, you'd just be hoping for... For more of a return from your front men, it's when you get into those positions you, you want them finding that space and, and, and taking those chances. I think they're just yeah, they haven't been clinical enough, especially away from home. And I think yeah, I don't see them getting anything from Motherwell.
2: Well yeah, they haven't they haven't lost uh sorry, they haven't won any of their last ten away games. So it will be a difficult one for Dundee United, but whoever wins that one, it's gonna be massive uh for the run in before the split. Coming up, when is lower league football coming back?
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
5: This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
0: Time now
2: to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie. Charlie, it's a big few weeks for the Kilmarnock owner, isn't it? Yeah, people are asking, Billy, what's the dilly? He needs to find a new manager at Killy or else he might look silly. Gary Holt is the favourite with Paddy Power at 3-1. James Fowler is at 14-1. Some eclectic names in the list beyond that. You've got Duncan Ferguson at 25-1. Antonio Conte's brother, Gianluca, at 20-1. And Ali McCoyst at 16-1. Don't you do it, Billy. Don't you dare take Ali McCoyst off my telly. (laughs) Uh, what is catching your eye in the Premiership also? Well, after JJ gave it the big sell earlier, I had a look at Aberdeen v Livingston, and I think Paddy Power trying to entice JJ with their odds, because whether you're going for a 0-0 or a 1-0 win for Aberdeen, which are the only score lines JJ would go for, they're the same odds. 11-2, to so knock yourself out.
3: <laughs> they are equally likely, to be fair. <laughs>
2: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. When the fun stops, stop it. The SFA have came out and announced that the suspension of all football below championship level will be extended until Sunday the 14th of February. There's going to be an update announced on Wednesday the 10th of February and the same goes... Uh, for the Scottish Cup, of course. So, Finn, you've been our regular SFA SPFL guru. Is lower league football going to be coming back this season? I mean, I I desperately <laughs> hope
4: so. I, uh,
2: you don't have to decide. I, I, <laughs> I know yeah,
4: no, I know. I, just, I it would be it'd be such a shame if if it didn't. Um, but yeah, I, it's just such a bizarre season to be living through I, I don't I I think all the clubs and and the, the you know the SPFL and the SFA would want it to come back but there's no point doing that I don't think if it's going to uh, potentially endanger um, people working at these clubs endanger communities potentially as well if they don't have the um, the the ways of ensuring the safety of um, their, their employees during this so I'm, I'm not quite sure I really hope it comes back because it would just be rubbish if it was just canned entirely
2: well, I mean, the, the the clubs have came out uh, and offered, from, from League One and, and Two sides, offering to conduct COVID-19 testing um, as opposed to temperature testing, which they carried out before the suspension. Um, so the proposals from those clubs to implement that testing with a review of resuming training in February um, have all been submitted. It's just not been approved yet. So with, with teams um, committing to that, do you think the SPFL and SFA would would green light the the, resum- the resumption?
4: You would hope so. I think it's been great to see the, the clubs all working together to try and provide a roadmap. I mean you could obviously ask the question why haven't they been doing this in conjunction with the SPFL, with um with the league being the ones to try and coordinate this? But um yeah, it's been great to see and you know it's not They'll be putting a a lot of resources or or potentially a lot of resources into trying to kickstart it. So you'd hope that that level of forward thinking and pragmatism could be rewarded. I, I think it, it's been a precarious position over the last couple of months where I think the SPFL have um, been a bit nervous about certain things that have happened um, with the government not having a great relationship with them. Uh, in the last little while and being a bit nervous about what they could do. So I think they need to be seen to be looking strong and taking things seriously and not trying to, you know, push these um, privileges that that sport is being given necessarily. Mm -hmm. But you would also hope that's tempered with the fact that if people can provide a legitimate roadmap out of the current situation into fulfilling the fixtures, because it'll be some task between February and the end of the season to try and catch up on a six weeks worth of fixtures anyway. But, yeah, I I think all fans, we we just want to see football coming back as as much as it can do.
2: And what are your guys' thoughts? Um, I'll go to you, JJ, with this one, with reports saying that the SFA are close to agreeing a deal with the Scottish government that's going to give premiership clubs access to interest-free loans of around £1.6 I think Kilmarnock have already came out and said that they would take it. But is it not a bit of a, even though it's interest-free, is it slightly worrying for, for clubs to be taking
3: big loans? Um, I mean, I'm not sure many clubs predicted the global pandemic, and so I think any help they can get to come in and like that is going to be welcome. So I mean, a lot of them, some clubs will sell their players to make some money. Lower league clubs don't have that same ability to sell someone for a few hundred grand because they don't have, you know, they don't have the assets. Mm-hmm. So if they need, I mean, it's just meant to be there if they need it. And interest free is obviously going to be very useful. You still got to pay it back at some point, but. It, you don't want to see clubs going under. You don't want to see people losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's the best way to do it. I mean, this just makes sense, doesn't it? I don't really have anything to add. I don't know uh, the ins and outs of the finances of all the clubs. I don't know how much money the government has. I just hope everyone's okay.
2: Yeah slightly concerning as well that we've obviously scotland have the euros um in the summer let's hope that continues uh but from all of us thanks for listening thanks to jj thanks to finn thanks to barry as well and to laura for joining us on the show and let's not forget the little kicks or our awesome little theme song and to i'm super, charlie super producer charlie there he is yeah. hands up on our zoom call he's a good looking lad check him out on Twitter or something we'll be back next Tuesday have a great week stay safe and we'll see you then
5: you've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at thetotallyshow on Twitter and Insta check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app the Totally Scottish Football Show is a Money News Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
0: Hi, I'm James McNicholas and I'm here to tell you about the latest series of Beyond the Headline, the making of Big Sam.
2: If I did anything wrong, why did they pay me off?
0: You see, Sam Allardyce seemingly can't quit English football and English football can't quit him. But why? Why does football keep coming back to Sam Allardyce? To answer those questions and many more, you'll hear from former Hull City manager, Phil Brown. He didn't mind having the crack, he didn't mind having the banter, but he would, he would prove his way was the right way. Dundee United manager, Mickey Mellon. I signed for Sam holidays, really. And of course, Father Joe Young, owner of Limerick FC, where the Big Sam story began.
2: Now I said, Sam, this is the ultimate goal, now I'll show you what we have. Then I brought him up and he said, Jesus, Father Joe, are you serious? I said, look, nothing is impossible to those who believe.
0: You'll learn about his time in America at the Tampa Bay Rowdies, the way he revolutionised English football and, of course, the England debacle. You can hear it all now and ad-free via the Athletic app. Just search for Beyond the Headline now.